Lord Jesus, shepherd of our souls, come in power and might and seek and save that which is lost and redeem it for our good, but above all, for your great glory. Amen. If you were to have Casey Kasem do sort of top 40 psalms of all time, uh, if he were to do the greatest hits, the 23rd psalm would be number one. I think that's beyond dispute. Even those who really aren't into scripture memorization, uh, a lot of us know it. Uh, We remember it. Uh, We're taught it as children. Uh, I can remember learning it and remembering it in a deer stand one winter in Virginia. And if you know anything about deer hunting, I had a lot of time on my hands. And I remember memorizing the 23rd Psalm, and it was the only good that came out of that day. Uh, And indeed, a lot of us remember the 23rd Psalm because it's a psalm that is oft repeated in worship uh, when we're in times of trouble. In times of of turmoil, it it brings great comfort, even in the midst of death. And the thing about this psalm that always stands out to me is that if any psalm could stand on one line, it would be this one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. This is an incredible thing. For David, the author of this psalm, to say about God. But if anyone understood what it meant to be a shepherd, it was David. You remember that when the prophet Samuel came to the home of Jesse, he went through all of his sons. And finally he said, well, surely that's it. And Jesse said, no, I have one with ruddy complexion that is out tending the sheep. David knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And indeed, the Lord was his Shepherd, And it's an incredible thing to say about God because of what it says that God is our shepherd, but also that it means we're sheep. Now, growing up, there was this wonderful etching in our home of Jesus carrying this docile, sweet, fluffy lamb on his shoulders. And Jesus was smiling as he went uh, on his way. And yet uh, there are some wonderful Christian authors out there who were shepherds uh, as well as Christian. Uh, Philip Keller is one of them and another by the name of McAllister who have written books on the biblical understanding of shepherding sheep. And how that applies to the metaphor in Psalm 23, but also in John 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And yet I've always held on to that idea of the pencil etching of Jesus with the lamb upon his shoulders until my mind about sheep was opened up when Lauren and I were on vacation once in the Caribbean. And it was a Caribbean island, and it was settled and colonized by the British, and Hundreds of years ago, when you went onto the island, they gave you sheep and or goats. And sheep in the Caribbean, praise God, have been able to micro-evolutionize themselves that they lost their big fluffy coats. And so I was having a very difficult time telling the sheep between the goats. They looked a whole lot alike, and that's a whole other sermon for another time. But suffice it to say, a gentleman who was sort of showing me around kept explaining, well, here's how you can tell the difference. And I just wasn't getting it. And finally he said, here's the difference. You can tell if it's a goat, if it's up in a high place, surveying the land, you can tell if it's a sheep, if it's always got its head down and eating. That's how you can tell if it's a sheep. 
And sure enough, sheep are dirty, they are stupid, they are completely self-absorbed, and they freak out and resist rescue, even when they know their rescuer has come. Indeed, sheep think with their bellies. They go from one patch of green to the next patch of green, and they keep their head down looking for the next meal to the point that they've had their head down so long that finally when they look up to see where they are and what's going on, the flock's gone. Or rather, they're gone. There's no shepherd. And they freak out. They completely panic. And you would think that when the shepherd shows up, that they would begin to frolic and leap with joy and run into the arms of their rescuer. But what shepherds will tell you is they ratchet it up a notch and they really start to panic. And they run around. And so what the shepherd has to do is actually catch the sheep, thwart it, throw it to the ground put its legs in the air, bind it up, and only then can it throw the struggling sheep over its shoulders or even drag it back to the rest of the flock, whether it likes it or not. The sheep has to be thwarted in order to be saved. Now, when I think of this, I think, well, that's, that's a little insulting. Uh, to think of myself as a sheep, and yet I'm catching myself time and time again that when I think of God as my shepherd, I think of him as sort of a paternal guidance system, like a spiritual GPS. And uh, one of the most annoying things that happens with iPhones now, among many, is that all I want is the map to come up for the directions And I like the little options they give. And, of course, I think I know better. But what bothers me is when Siri automatically goes into audio directions, turn left in 500 feet. And, of course, you don't want to go that way. And so you say, well, I'm going to keep going my way. And then Siri says, turn around. And and then finally you just shut it down. I kind of treat God that way sometimes. God says, turn around. And I just click and turn him off. And I think of him as a paternal system of guidance. And yet, God is shepherd. Jesus as shepherd is one who leads, who pursues. And no matter how far gone you get, he goes after you. In fact, I definitely relate to the idea of panicking when lost because most of us, when we get to the point of lostness, when we're really down, when we're facing a huge trial in life, even death, uh, we don't often sort of say, well, you take over, God. But in fact, we panic. And our automatic response is to try to take more control, to think that we know better. When life gets hard, we try to tighten our grip and try to take control of the situation. And life can often, and more often than not, not just be difficult, but life can be hell. We can be faced with some incredibly spiritual taxing and awful issues in our life and be bought to rock rock bottom. And even if we're not trying to take control, we try to filter our control through other things that we might think might be our shepherd, our spouses, our family, our jobs, whatever it might be, anything to bring some semblance of stability 
and lack of lostness that we're going to be okay, we all yearn for it. And yet what the Bible says in John 10.10 is that Jesus is our shepherd. And not as he only our shepherd, he is our gate. That he lies down in the very pen and is the gate that nothing is going to get through without first going through him. The Bible says that there are enemies and there are thieves and there are wolves out to get us. I don't know about you, but I've never uh, read a fable or a story about the great and strong triumphant sheep with great defensive mechanisms. Uh, when sheep are in trouble, they run away. This is bad. Right? That's what, you knew it was coming. <laughs> a sheep versus a wolf? The wolf wins every single time. A wolf versus a shepherd? The shepherd wins every single time. All we like sheep have gone astray. We move from green patch to green patch to green patch. And if anybody can talk about themselves being sheep and as God as shepherd, it's David. Uh, David knows what it's like to go far astray from the fold, but he also knows what it's like to have God as his shepherd intimately. You know the story, David walking on the rooftop when all the kings in the spring of years should be off at war. There was David on the, on the rooftop of his palace gazing at the beautiful Bathsheba. And Nathan the prophet confronts him after the horrible mess that it was. And his response is, surely I have sinned against the Lord, the great I am. And he writes in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. Because he realized that he didn't need God to shepherd him in sort of a spiritual GPS sort of way, a helpful hints for living. God, take this area of my heart and scrub it up just a little bit. This is the area of my life that needs a little bit of help. But God created me a clean heart. I need a heart transplant. I need something from the outside of me to change. That is what is inside of me. And only Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, is able to do that. That God himself would humble himself to come into the dirt and filth of sin in the world as a shepherd would. And dwell amongst us. And lay his life down in the sheep gate. And die in order that stupid Silly, panicky, dirty, rebellious sheep might live. There was a famous children's evangelist in the late 19th century in England named MacDonald. And he went up to a village in the north of England right on the Scottish border. And he was preaching to the children about the 23rd Psalm. And he said, children, this is what I want you to remember. Uh, and he took out his hand and starting with his thumb, working down to his pinky, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Every finger representing a word in that opening verse of the 23rd Psalm. And he began to expound upon, he was the Lord. Jesus is the King of Kings. He's God in the flesh who has come to dwell among us and to rescue us. And he is the Lord. Uh, the Lord of heaven and earth. He is king over all, and there's not one area of this earth that he surveys that isn't his, that you cannot be so far gone in a place that his arm is too short to save, that the Lord is. He is your ever-present help in times 
of trouble, that no matter how bad the situation, no matter how you might feel, the Lord is there. He is shepherding you even when you don't feel it. My shepherd. He's your shepherd to the point that even if one goes astray, he leaves the entire flock and pursues you because you are precious in his sight. And no matter how far gone you get, and no matter how panicky and rebellious you get, whether you like it or not, the Lord God Jehovah will attack you and he will lay you on your back and he will bind your legs up and throw you over his shoulders and he will return you to the ark of refuge that is him. And he's your shepherd, always with you, leading you, guiding with you, and therefore you can go through life in confidence because Jesus Christ is your shepherd and because what he has done for you on the cross and being raised from the dead. And he told the children that what I want you to remember, children, is that the Lord is my shepherd, but when you get to my, when you get into those times of deep darkness and distress, I want you to take your right hand and I want you to cling to your left ring finger. Because that's the finger upon which, God willing, one day you will get married and place your wedding band. And that wedding band that you put on your finger symbolizes the covenant between a husband and a wife. That you will lay down your life for the other. That you will put yourself aside and empty yourself for the sake of the rescue of your spouse. And he said, that is the covenant love that God has for you. And so in those times of darkness and trial, when you are very far gone, cling to your ring finger. And remember the covenant promises of God, that the Lord is my shepherd. Well, MacDonald finished his children's ministry and went back down toward the south of England. And within a week's time, a great snowstorm hit the north of England in Scotland. And it was a farming community with a lot of sheep in it. And several little boys were lost in the snowstorm, and McDonald had had a powerful impact on this village. And so they called McDonald and said, they called for him, can you come back to the village? You were a great comfort to us just a week ago. Come back, please, in the midst of our turmoil and strife and distress. There's still one boy missing. And within a day of arriving, they found the little boy. And they found him dead in a snowdrift. But the little boy was clinging to his ring finger. The Lord is my shepherd. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter how far gone you are, cling to the covenant promises of God. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen.